Welcome to the DNA Podcast, your go-to source for nerd knowledge in the 21st history. I'm your host, Steve Pugh, and joined with me is the wonderful, the adorable, and the ever so uh, SEA. I don't know, is that a, a good way to put it? The SEA in making Viking food, uh, Miss Lacey, as well as I have been joined by this amazing, impeccable, and just overly energetic. I probably can only imagine she's had like two or three Red Bulls before she comes on and does anything. Uh, or Ms. like Har- six Diet Cokes, but yeah. Miss <laughs> Harley Knox. Harley, welcome to the show for your first time. Uh, thank, thank you so much you for being so a guest. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we are going to be talking about something that I have I have a working knowledge. I have some passions. I actually have more of a passion now because of my uh, my oldest son. He's getting really into it. We're going to talk about anime. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, getting into it. What are some of, the, of our favorite episodes and like recommendations we would make. Uh, but before we do that, we need to talk to Miss Lacey because Miss Lacey, it's been a little bit since you've been on the show. So, Madam, what have you been up to? <laughs> So I have been catching up on Obi-Wan, which has been fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still enjoying it. (laughs) I have um, been slowly getting back into the SCA. And I don't know if I mentioned this the last time that we talked, but my squire sister actually became princess. (laughs) Oh, she she did. Yeah, I, no, I so, remember you talking slightly about that. Yes. So she's top dog. Yeah. So um, I said, you know, she kind of took one for the team to get us all like geared up about the SCA again, because it's hard getting back into a hobby after like so much time with COVID and everything. So now we have to be there to support her. So it's um, it's getting more exciting. Nice. I have a lot of friends in the SCA. SEA and there's LARPing. a lot of overlap with like all the the geeky nerddoms anime and and yeah like SEA is kind of a little bit cosplay because everyone's making their own clothes and stuff like that I think I used to work at a renaissance fair so like that's like there is a huge overlap between the SEA and renaissance fair yeah <laughs> oh my god there is um I love that you mentioned renaissance fairs and I want to mention this uh uh, we are going to be having the TikTok sensation the oh my god I can't speak tonight the TikTok sensation uh jack zawipper is coming back uh he's actually going to be talking about uh ren fairs i told him you know we totally have to have him back on uh mostly because i have to redeem myself for the last episode he was on um my son decided to mess with my headset and i didn't realize he messed with the game and so it sounds like the mic's down my throat the entire time which is always great which is always great for conversations uh he was amazing he was impeccable but told him he wanted to come Want to get him back on, and he absolutely said yes. Um, so I love talking Ren Fairs too, which is like, ah. um, so Miss Harley, did, did you actually see Obi Wan at all? Are you a Star Wars geek? So I hate to say this, but I have literally never seen anything of Star Wars. Shut up! <laughs> what? Does, no, 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 no. Before you answer my question, does your does your fiance know this? My fiance knows, but we do have the box director's cut of the Lord of the Rings. Okay, so you have have Lord of the Rings. Okay, so you're fantasy. You're not (laughs) sci-fi? You know what? I love Doctor Who. Like, I have cosplayed Rose Tyler. Um, I have met David Tennant twice. Like, I am. That's awesome. He is is a really big sweetheart. Like, he told me the first time I met him, I met him while I was studying abroad in London, and he took the time out of a stage door appearance to actually take the time and talk to me and wish me a safe flight home, because I told him I was all the way from the U.S. to come visit, and he was like, have a safe flight home, I hope you get home safe, and then he disappeared back into the stage door, but he actually, like, (laughs) heard me, which was, and then he also accepted my business card when I saw him at Comic-Con, and he told me if he ever needed a costume, he would come to me. That's so, man. I freaking love David Tennant. He's so awesome. So sweet. But so like that's the kind of sci-fi I'm into, but I've okay. never watched Star Wars. And to be honest, I think it's too late to start. It's, <laughs> it's always never I too don't late. Think it's too late to start. Uh, that being said, though, Doctor Who is one of my huge fandoms. And it's another one I actually bonded with my son. It's my son's first fandom was Doctor Who. Oh, when he was so like cute. for when he was three years old for Easter, the Easter bunny. <laughs> brought him a TARDIS and every kind of sonic screwdriver that was out in 2014 
he would totally nerd it up. And so I love Doctor Who. I oh, love it. It's sh- and I'm not going to shame you here. I'm not going to nerd shame you here for not seeing Star Wars. I get it a lot. It's funny. <laughs> But it's, you know, there's so many fandoms out there. There really, truly is. And unless you're a person like me who is a connoisseur and likes to try and nibble in Golden Buffet, every kind of nerdy fandom, it's really difficult, very expensive to try to do everything and to get into everything. That being said, I strongly recommend you watch the movies, enjoy them for what they are, and just be forgiving about Jar Jar Binks. And even the yeah. new stuff, like you can watch like a lot of the newest stuff and just enjoy it for what it is without like going so back. So I will admit the only like Star Wars merchandise that I am like vehemently consuming is mm. Gragu merchandise. Like I have a Funko Pop of Gragu and like I watch a compilation of clips that someone had voiced <laughs> over like as baby Yoda and they were like, like he's like teetering around like behind the Mandalorian and he's like Papa feed me I'm like someone had like voiced over like what his probably (laughs) inner monologue was and it's it's the cutest thing so like I will watch those until the like the cows come home but I just I I can't see myself getting into anything outside of the cute baby Yoda (laughs) you know all right I I won't shame you here because you know shame me later (laughs) but you are a special guest tonight, so I definitely can't be shaming you for not uh, adhering to all of our audience uh, and, you know, as a cosplayer, my other, too. My other big fear is that I watch it and I want to cosplay everything. That's my other big fear because I already have so many other things I want to cosplay. You do. You, let, let's talk about that. Let's, that's a great segue. Let's talk about who you are, Harley. You are a professional cosplayer. You have been... Uh, published in insider several times now three yes so for three years running i've been published in insider as their best of the best for new york comic-con um i've also been featured in sci-fi and hyperx um for my cuphead cosplay Mm sci-fi has been for different iterations of harley quinn steampunk bell cuphead um and yeah i guess at conventions in my free time when i'm not busy with grad school or my human job and then I also run an Etsy shop so I am like a jack of all trades that's awesome that and that's it's all work and no play makes jack a doll boy and mm-hmm. you're great you are a sweet and gentle soul because this is how ladies and gentlemen I was gotten to touch with Harley is I met her at the 90s con um, I haven't posted up everything yet I'm still editing so much video and audio from that it's beyond crazy but I was able to interview this wonderful lady here and her amazing fiance and talk to them. And you have a heart of gold. You truly do. And you came out there to do an amazing thing and got to be a part of it. And the fact that you were going back and forth with me across the road was even more fun. Um, I think your son took the day though. He, Oh um, my God, he's a pimp and a half. He handed me a very, I was dressed as Belle from the movie Beauty and the Beast. And he, at the very end of the day, he handed me a little cardboard token of a rose and said, here, Bill, this is for you. And I was like, you know what, that's it. Like, game over, game over. It was a pog, it was a 90s pog. And I was like, oh my God. He's like, cause he even asked me, he's like, hey, can I give this to her? And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. I'm not, and I'm like, not even thinking about it. And I'm like, oh, that (laughs) was I still have it, I still have it. It's like on my pin board. That's so sweet. I'll let him know. <laughs> You're going to embarrass him. Like, hey, <laughs> Belle still has that rose you gave her. <laughs> Shut up, dad. <clears throat> but so how did you get into cosplay, by the way? Let's let's start with that. So actually with anime. Okay. Um, so the very first, in 2011, 2012, I had just hit high school. And I was, my best friend at the time was trying to convince me to watch Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. And I was like, no, that's too far out of there for me. I'm not going to watch it. But I started watching anime on Netflix. And I was like, Mm. there was this anime called Rosario Vampire. And I was like, it's, it's like a harem anime. It's really not appropriate for children. I should not have been (laughs) watching it, but it was on Netflix. And I was like, oh, this is fine. So I watched it. I watched the whole thing. It's funny. And I was like, oh my God, I connect to these characters so much more than a regular TV show. Like, like I, like Euphoria nowadays, like I, I never, 
I never did drugs in high school. I never drank. I never partied. I never did anything like that. So it, I could never connect to those characters. And these anime characters are these awkward, bumbling teenagers who are just flirting, trying to flirt their way out of trouble, like story of my life. So he actually, as a surprise for my birthday, bought one day passes to New York Comic-Con 2012. And I had just kind of figured out what cosplay was. And when I saw that he had gotten tickets to the biggest convention on the East Coast, I was like, you know what? Time to pull something out of my ass. <laughs> so literally two weeks before the convention, I settled on um, Mocha from Rosario and Vampire, which is just like a stereotypical school uniform. My mom, who taught me everything I know about sewing, sewed me up a plaid skirt with a little elastic waistband. I still have it. It doesn't fit me anymore because I was like a size eight then and I'm a size 12 now. So that's not happening. But I ordered a blazer off eBay that was the right color green. I added piping myself by hand stitching it on. And I wore my natural hair, which Mocha's hair is bright pink. And I am a dirty blonde. It did not... <laughs> But I got her choker, like I got everything and I wore it and I had so much fun, so much fun. And the next year he bought me tickets because we we had a blast together. It was like the best time that we could have asked for. We're both huge nerds. Like he's been my best friend since I was six. So this was just like the next thing. And um, the next year I actually wore a wig. It was a cheap party store wig. So it came off about two hours into the con and I shoved it in my bag, <laughs> never to see the light of day again. But it was, I, it was amazing and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And the, the amount of reactions I got mm -hmm. was like, oh my God, that's Mocha. Oh my God, that's Mocha. And then I had people running up to me and being like, oh my God, you, you did this so well. Like, this is an anime that's never represented. And I'm like, okay. Because <laughs> at, at the time I thought it was weird. I was like, it's on Netflix. Why is it not well represented? But it's, it was one of those niche things that like, unless you're into harem enemies, you're not going to watch it. And then the, my third year going, I dressed up as Blair from Soul Eater, who is the cat with extreme magical power, not a witch. Everybody thinks she's a witch, but she's just a cat with extreme magical power. And I think my favorite memory, two of my favorite memories of of ever have come from when I'm in cosplay. One was when I was Blair and I ran into an entire Soul Eater group and I wasn't <laughs> I didn't see them at first but I heard at the top of someone's lungs yell Blair get back here and I was like oh my god what I was like did I drop something I was like is, is my skirt flared up I was like oh my god and I turn around and there's seven soul eater cosplayers just waiting to take a picture <laughs> with me and I was like oh my god like this is fantastic and then my other favorite memory, I was dressed as Steampunk Belle. Mm -hmm. And this was actually at a more recent New York Comic-Con, like 2017 or 2018. And I don't know how they managed to get them into the convention, but out of nowhere, this like 14-year-old girl comes walking up to me. I'm like sitting, eating an empanada. Like I am not <laughs> in cosplay mode at all. And she hands me this perfect, beautiful, live red rose. And she goes, Belle, this is for you. She just hands it to me and walks off. Oh. Like no context. And I was like, I say, I, I eventually, I lost it at the end of the convention day. Cause I was just, I was hounded. Like I literally could not, there's a tunnel at the Javits center that all the photographers hang out at, but it's also where all the food trucks are. <laughs> so I had, I had basically eaten my empanada and I was standing there with all my props waiting for my my then handler at the time to come back with his food and I could not move because I was getting hounded for photos and videos and interviews and I was like I I got so overwhelmed and I was like I lost the rose but I still have a I have one selfie with that rose and it was it was one of my favorite memories but that's how I got started in cosplay that's, with anime that's a heck of a like story of getting started now when you do now you do lots of characters. Uh, yeah. You and I discussed this off screen um, and we can get more into it. Uh, but do you get into character when you cosplay them now? So I don't, it, that's kind of a loaded question. So when I, when I get into cosplay, mm. I will be able to, I never like affect a voice or anything like that. But if someone comes up to me 
especially little ones when I'm dressed as like Belle or any other character that they know, like Cinderella mm. at the run fair. I dressed up as Cinder Cinderella and this little girl came up to me convinced I was Cinderella. Of course, I'm at a run fair, so I've got a beer in one hand and like <laughs> I've got my cell phone in the other. So obviously I'm like, but this little girl comes running up to me and I was like, okay, I handed them off to my friend who was standing next to me and I got down on my knees and I just, I had a conversation with her as Cinderella and she was so convinced, like her parents had to literally pick her up and drag her away from me because she was asking me all these questions. Like, where's your prince? Aren't you going to be late to the ball? And I was like, oh God, like inwardly, I'm like panicking. I'm like, oh my God, this girl just saw me holding a beer. What is wrong with the six-year-old? But at the same time, I'm like, I have a degree in musical theater. So, and I used to work at a Renaissance fair. So improv is the name of the game. And mm. I can do that at the drop of a hat. I just wasn't expecting to. So mm. I, I never will affect the voice of a character, but I will act like one. Okay. If okay. someone requires me to, normally I'm just kind of there. Mm. But if I had someone at, at the nineties con ask me if I did parties, like not for little kids, but like for like 16 year olds. And I was like, I mean, if you want to hire me, sure, but that's kind of a weird question. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've heard of princess parties for younger kids, but I'm not sure a 16-year-old would take kindly to a random stranger showing up at their birthday party. <laughs> you know what? Different strokes for different folks is a way I've always seen it. Um, but yeah, I can kind of get that. How did you... Um... So you, you've you done Fallout, you've done Samus, you've done Belle, you've done Harley. Uh how long did it take you to actually uh, get into like the actual poses and perfect that? So um, it, it depends. Mm. There are certain poses that come naturally to me just because mm. like, I take that as like a, Oh, my character would pose like this. And I just like, my brain immediately goes there, but I've also had the lucky, lucky chance to work with several photographers who have taught me how to pose. Mm. Like I just had, I had a four and a half hour long photo shoot today. And he's like, this is going to feel really weird, but it, like on the camera, it looks fantastic. It feels weird when you're bending over at the waist. So your butt is above your heels, but your chest is above the floor. But the way it makes the, like a, a classic Harley Quinn bodysuit, the way it makes it look, makes it look like you're just standing <laughs> but you're filling it out properly. So it's it's a blessing and a curse, I guess. Like there are certain poses that I'm just like, yeah, right there. But then it's also from years of having my photo taken. Now going from there, let me ask you this. Um, so you have been doing this for a while now. At what point did you decide, hey, I want to be take this on a more serious note? And how did you go about it? So the minute I decided to do this professionally I mm. said I had actually gone I think it was 2015 mm. maybe 2014 2015 mm. and um I was approached at New York Comic-Con by someone who wanted to take my picture with a professional camera and I was like okay this this is probably like not a big deal like it's it's you know a lot of people have professional cameras nowadays and then he handed me a business card that said sci-fi. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, so, so evidently like I can be at this caliber now. And once I saw my picture, like on an online publication, I was like, I don't have a cosplay name. I don't have like any costumes to top this. I don't, holy crap. Now I'm playing at the big leagues, even though it was just kind of like a throwaway, like here's the cosplay we saw at New York Comic-Con day three. Like it was, but it's, it's still like, there's only 64 pictures out of 40,000 people. Like it's not, it's not How does like- that make you feel? How it's amazing. It is an amazing feeling. And you know, this past year, Insider Magazine featured me for the third year in a row and they actually cornered me. I was walking through, there's a part of the Javits Center where it's kind of like a big open area. And I was walking through in my Renaissance Harley Quinn and this guy comes running up to me, like literally like running across and he's like, my bosses love Harley Quinn. Can I do a quick interview and photo shoot with you? I'm like, yeah, but like, I'm, 
like he can't see my face. He can just see the mask, the white paint and my face mask that was on. And I had my hat, which was red and black. I had my corset, which was red and black. I had my skirts and my shirt and I had Beatrice, my giant mallet. So that's probably <laughs> what he saw. <laughs> but, you know, next thing I know, he's sending me a link to Insider Magazine saying like, with my interview and my credentials and because I gave him my business card, I was like, okay, you know, I didn't think anything of it, but you know, next thing I know, I'm showing up on Insider for the third year in a row. And you know, it's it's the compilation of all four days and there's 20 people on that list. And I'm like, holy crap. I don't gain any followers from that or anything like that, but still seeing your name up in lights is an intoxicating feeling. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's such an crazy thing to say right there. You, you've got, this isn't your first time. This isn't your second time. This is your third time. It, it does the feeling get dull at all or you're just like oh no. I'm an insider <laughs> again no it doesn't and I think I think one of my favorite so I've been interviewed by several companies like HyperX I've mm. been interviewed by Entertainment Tonight mm. um and HyperX was probably the most underwhelming interview I've ever had mostly because I was wearing my Cuphead cosplay which honestly with the exception of the head apparatus yeah. is all purchased I didn't make any of that like I purchased it off Amazon like the week before and I was like yeah this is just a casual comfy like last day of the con kind of cosplay I went up to the cosplay central back when it was up on the third floor of the Javits Center last day like last two hours of the con because we hadn't been there yet and this guy is like are you cosplaying Cuphead I'm like yeah like that's it's a it's a really it's not a niche game by any sense of the words, but he was like, I'm with HyperX. Can I interview you? I'm like, as, as a gamer, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, hold on a second. HyperX wants my number? Like, <laughs> so, you know, he did filming and he did an interview and the interview process didn't end up in the video, but um, it was, I had never had to articulate how I made something before. So I was like, well, I, I saw it as snorkel at a 45 degree angle. This is super glue. This is electrical tape and paint. This is styrofoam that's been paper mache. These are Chicago screws. And I'm like, I'm trying to make this so it's palpable for like someone who's never cosplayed before. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so hard. <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart. It's not. <laughs> no, uh, how? So, so you you have purchased some of your stuff and you do create your own. When did you feel like you got to the point where you're like, I know what I'm doing when I'm creating my costumes? Or are you even at that point? Um, like I'm, I'm a paint, <laughs> I paint <laughs> and I never feel like I'm at my top. So, so I am really good with planning things mm -hmm. and I am very good at window shopping. So those are like two things that I'm really good at. So like with my with my bunny Harley Quinn, like I had this concept. I was like, I am going to make a bunny suit that is Harley Quinn based. And I am going to make a bunny suit Harley Quinn. Like that was in my mind. And I was like, I am doing that. So I looked on Etsy and the things on Etsy are really well made, but they're also very expensive and very cost prohibitive because they're custom made to your measurements. A lot of them are like authentic corsets. And I'm like, I can't do that. So I was like, okay, I'm crafty. How can I do this? I don't have a sewing machine currently. So I was like, okay. So I ordered a white bunny suit off Amazon. I ordered fabric paint and I hand stitched part of the bunny suit. I hand painted the entire bunny suit <laughs> and um, I hand painted the ears. I hand painted the bow tie. I built Beatrice and I ordered fishnets off Amazon in alternating red and black. And it's, it's been a hit. It's so, so I mean, wild that you don't have yeah. a sewing machine and you're doing all this. <laughs> so I do technically have a sewing machine that is just currently located in New Jersey and I am in Connecticut. Um, my friend, since, like I said, since I used to work at the Renaissance Fair, I have a lot of friends who do a lot of weird things with their jobs. And I have a friend that does leatherworking and metalsmithing, like swordsmithing. And someone, I had been complaining to him that the sewing machine that I wanted to purchase was not available anywhere. Like I couldn't find it on Amazon. I couldn't find it at Joann's or Michael's or anywhere. 
it looked like it had been discontinued and I was really bummed about it because that's the one I wanted and he was like is this it and he sent me a picture and it turns out someone had contacted him for a trade saying like if you can make me x y and z out of leather or metal or whatever it was I will give you this brand new sewing machine because that's what I have to trade and he was like is this the one and it happened to be the one and so we've been trying to coordinate like handoff of this <laughs> but he just tested positive for covid last week oh, no. so like this weekend was going to be the weekend and now it's just kind of back to the because he's a fight director for the new york renaissance fair so he's got auditions coming up and then he's got rehearsals and then he's got a full run and i'm like okay hold on now i gotta figure out between my con schedule and my fair schedule and my work schedule when can i drive down to newark to see you <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, being a professional nerd is work. I, I can't <laughs> emphasize that enough. Holy cow. And expensive. It, Very expensive. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you, uh, what do you think the average price of your costume is? It depends on the costume. I because figured. some of my more elaborate costumes, like my Renaissance Harley Quinn, have been mm. put together piecemeal. But a lot of the things that go into Renaissance Harley Quinn are also one of a kind and custom made. Like my hat was about $375 and that's, but that's handmade leather. It came with a feather clip. It's one of a kind. It's completely custom. And my corset was also custom. That cost about $200 plus about the skirts, which are about $75 each, um, plus the chemise, which was another 60. So roughly the, the entire Renaissance Harley Quinn, not including Beatrice or the mask is about $500. That's I don't want to say that's insane because, you know, every fandom, I mean, I have lightsabers that are like $350 easily yeah. behind me, but it's, it's that passion that you're into. And I always tell everybody, regardless of your nerd culture or not, you have an expensive hobby. You just don't realize it. Uh, Magic the Gathering is quite possibly one of the most expensive like card games out there or Pokemon. Uh, yeah, you're spending $4 a pack, but you're buying pack after pack after pack after pack after pack. Uh, my good friend, he's a golfer and he spends, you know, I, I don't want to say too much, but like maybe $500 on a club. And so they add up. But that's in, that's insane. That that's I think that's Where, awesome. But like Bunny, like Bunny Harley Quinn, for example, yeah. probably with paint and everything probably cost me about 60 bucks. That's awesome. And, and that's that shows you the ingenuity that you have as a cosplayer, as an artist, um, and that people can be practical and or it can be I don't want to say practical, but they can be like, hey, I'm a baller on a budget. I need want to do some cosplay. I want to have fun. I want to be enthusiastic, enthusiastic and passionate about this so and so character. I can do it on, under 100 bucks and have a fun costume. Or yeah. I can go straight up gangster and have like a $10,000 costume. And yeah, it really depends. It really depends on how much like I'm building Aurora right now, or it yeah. will be as soon as I get my sewing machine. And I've sunk in just in materials alone. I think I've sunk like $450 in there, like just in custom fabric and lights and boning and muslin for mock-ups and like just like I've sunk a lot into that. It is a passion project. Yeah, it is. So you have um, a, yeah, sorry, ahead. you have a lot know. of different costumes. How often, like how often do you repeat wearing them? So not that often, actually. Um, I think the one I've repeated most is probably Steampunk Bell. And that's probably gotten the most press out of all of mine. Um, everything else, other than Rose Tyler, I've worn Rose Tyler a couple of times, but I don't, I don't actually, I've actually lost 45 pounds in the last like six or seven months. So a lot of my costumes don't fit the way they should. So I haven't really had a chance to alter them and rewear right. them. Like bunny suit Harley Quinn, I, I made it when I was 30 pounds heavier. So now I have to take it in like two sizes, which is a task, not on a bunny suit. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um. Sorry, totally caught me off guard. I was looking at the pictures of your your different costumes. I was going to ask you about them and look at them. There, you did some amazing things here. I'm thoroughly impressed with your costumes and everything. I will definitely have to put some pictures up uh, for the episode and everything to show off your, the, the the variety and flavor you bring to the nerd culture world. Um, yeah. So, 
And you do have some stuff coming up that you have something that we were talking a little yeah, bit about. I am, I am guesting at two conventions in August and September. I will be guesting at Mid-Hudson Comic-Con, August 20th and 21st in Poughkeepsie. I will be giving several panels. I will be a guest. I will have a table with prints and merch. And then I am guesting at Flower City Comic-Con in Rochester in September, end of September. Um, and I will, I am helping run their costume contest and I am, I will have a table with some merch and prints. And that is exciting. I am super excited for you. Legitimately jealous. Uh, I love going to cons. Truly do. And uh, we'll have to bring you on later on uh, when it gets closer to absolutely promote you a little bit more. Um, Definitely. Uh, so let's talk about our subject of the night here. Uh, we came here to talk about anime. Uh, which it's an interesting fandom anime because I feel like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a gray area fandom. Like you either, I don't want to say you like it or you don't, but it's, if you're not fully aware of what, you know, the, the flavors of anime, it kind of gets this weird, odd look, even for nerd culture wise, because you know how people look at D and D and they look at the passions that we put into like star Wars and star Trek and everything like that. It's, on an even more extreme level sometimes with animation because it's very unique and it's very, for the most part, Japanese culture, which comparatively to American culture is, there's a lot of differences. Um, so you are a connoisseur of the animes. This is how you got into a lot of your, your nerdy fandoms. Uh, what is it about anime that makes you so what do you like about it what why is it such a popular thing with you so for me it's connecting to the characters you know i am currently binging the seven deadly sins on netflix and i really connect to elizabeth like okay. i like really hardcore do because she will do literally anything for love like that is her whole thing like the love of friends the love of family the love of her life like she will she will bend over backwards for her and that is something that I take very personally, like mm. I will go out of my way to make sure someone I love is taken care of, even if it means putting myself out. And, you know, that's something I connect to Mocha from Rosario and Vampire. Like that is something like she is just trying to get through high school. <laughs> like that is her goal. And the problem is she's a vampire, but she can't drink blood because she's on school grounds. So she has to drink tomato juice. Like that's her substitute. So like, she's just, she's so awkward, like so awkward. And I was definitely not like a, a beautiful swan in high school. I was like, it was bad. Like it was really bad. Um, but we're not talking about high school. We're talking no, about it, it's, <laughs> You bring up a good point though. It, you're talking about the emotional you literally said it emotional connection and the stigmatisms that you grew up with are very relatable in anime form for you and that's why you were able to connect Lacey it was that the same with you yeah I actually got really into anime in like the end of middle school because I didn't really feel like I fit in I think that's part of it I didn't fit in with like the normal high school culture and I really connected to, at first, like I was reading like some Invader Zim and then I got into some of the um, animes and then I started going to an anime night and then it like escalated to me, like finding all my people. And so I think that for me, I, that resonates. Do you guys think that's why anime is a popular, it's in the United States, let's keep this in the States wise. In the States, do you think that's why anime is so popular is because it resonates with people on, I don't want to say a social awkward level, but like on a level of where they have these disassociations with people and are able to feel they can relate to something with their stigmatisms and with the social awkwardness and just regular day-to-day -day teen angst, if you will. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, I like just me personally growing up, like anime was my escape because suddenly everything makes sense. I wasn't the only person struggling with this. And then I think, but I think every teenager goes through that phase at some mm. point. It doesn't matter if you're the most popular girl in school or you're literally like the peon. I think everybody goes through that phase where you're like, I don't fit in. And anime is like, 
there is always someone who doesn't fit in. Like I call it main character syndrome. Like there will always be, you can tell if you like pan on a generic anime classroom, there's that one character with blue hair and you know that that is the protagonist. Like there is always going to be that one person that sticks out and they're always going to be the main character of that story. And being able to say, I'm the main character of my story. Like I may not have blue hair or I may not have superpowers or I may not be able to like, you know, read people's blood type from across the room like something random but <laughs> like I think I think being able to connect with that is what makes it so popular okay now I'm gonna say I'm not gonna lie my first anime was probably the one that most people have seen Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball back when I first was watching it that was my first anime and <sighs> It was weird seeing it because there's a lot of cultural aspects that I didn't understand at the time, because like, even to this day, actually, if one of the funniest things is, uh, I don't know if you have ever gone back and watched the old Pokemon, but they have uh, these rice snacks in, in Japanese culture, but they were calling them donuts in the anime for some weird reason. And I literally was talking to somebody in Japan from Japan. I'm like, yeah. I want one of those white donuts that you guys have all the time. And they're like, what are you talking about? I have no idea. I'm like, no, yeah, they saw it in the anime. And they're like, still have no idea what you're talking about. And it's, it was just the most random thing that it was just completely different. But I digress. Uh, it's that was my, like I said, Dragon Ball Z was my really my big go to. And then I think I ended up getting one that resonated the most with me. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this Death Note. I love Death Note. Death Note. <laughs> all right. So why? I went through the teenage angsty phase when Death Note was all I would watch. <laughs> See, I liked, I liked it because, and this is what I look for in my animes, because I, I have become more of a connoisseur. I like that I can have this show that has a almost a supernatural slash uh, whodunit kind of mystery thing. Like Death Note was a crazy suspense like thriller for us it was Im impeccably done uh then there's uh bleach was another one that was really well done like that and uh what's one one more? it's not so much on that level but it's more on a comedic level one punch which is i love one punch man like that is great <laughs> we'll his, get back to the that fact that he could just train he could just train himself to just like be so powerful at all it takes is one punch because he just had the discipline like and he's he's not even like he's not even like oh yeah i'm so cool i can kill everything with one punch he's like yeah i've been cursed <laughs> he's just so yes. deadpan about yes. it he's just like yeah this is this sucks like you too can also have a sucky life if you train as hard as i did what was it like it was a a hundred push-ups a hundred sit-ups a hundred crunches and run 10 miles every day for yeah. three years straight and until yeah. all your hair falls out so <laughs> something so stupid it, but that's the one me and my son are watching right now too um because he's he's him and his this girl uh that he goes to school with are good friends and they're, they're he's socially awkward he's he's a, he's a nerd he's like me and they're into anime and they relate to it and he found one punch i introduced him to one punch and he's just like dude i love this guy um but and, and i know uh you were talking about uh your your vampire anime was the one mm -hmm. is that is that the most is that the anime that resonates you with you the most or is that just because that was your first that was my first. The one that probably resonates with me the most, oh my God, is it scarred. It didn't, it didn't like touch me emotionally. It actually mm. scarred me was Madoka Magica. That one scarred me. Okay. So and that's tell me about the one, one that resonates. So Madoka Magica, like spoilers, sorry, but it's been out for like 20 years. So if you haven't seen it, sorry. Um, so it was on Netflix for a while and it's the art style is very so basically these young girls these like middle school girls um are contacted by this like secret cat like I don't know how to explain it it's it's an otherworldly being but it looks like a cat with really long ears like I don't know how to explain it otherwise and tells them that in order to save the world from these witches which are killing people that they have to become magical girls but in order to do that they have to make a wish 
And if the wish comes true, they don't tell you this. Madoka obviously figures it out through the anime. But in order to make your wish come true, you have to become a witch. But the only way to kill a witch is to become a magical girl. So this cat is like tasked. He's obviously evil, but you don't find that out until later in the show. And his whole goal is to turn more of these girls into witches so they can kill more people. That's his whole thing. And Madoka circumvents this by finding a loophole. And her wish is that she wants to save all the witches. So in order for that to come true, she has to become, it's called God Madoka. She, she literally becomes a god and will like say that's her that's how her wish came true so she doesn't turn into a witch but one of her best friends like the one you think is evil the entire time her wish was to save Madoka from becoming a witch like that's why she became a magical girl because she knew that Madoka would find out about these witches and want to save every single one of them and so it the art style is gripping it's very much an anime, but then when you encounter a witch or go through a witch's lair, it's like it's like pasting newspapers and um, pictures, and it's very jarring. It's very it, jarring is probably the best way to put it. And trying to wrap your head around that as like a sixteen-year-old is hard. <laughs> no, I, I this. So this sounds interesting. But I, I want you to understand, you did a great job explaining it. It makes I no want, sense. It <laughs> sounds absolutely crazy, like just batshit crazy. And how does something, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a talking cat, but he's from space. And there's girls there. They're middle school. But they have to become witches to stop witches. Like, how does that sucker, like, I don't want to say sucker you in, but like, how does that well, suck you in? Well, the reason, the reason it's got me suckered in is because the first episode is all about magical girls. And I was like, so pumped to watch this magical girl anime. And then I got invested and I was like, well, like, I have to finish the series at this point. And then like, at the end of the series, I'm sitting there like, oh my God, what did I just, like, I am scarred now. Like, this is, <laughs> this is like, my heart has been ripped into shreds. Like, I was not expecting that. That's I was awesome, just girl bait and switch. <laughs> but that's it's and, and I'm not making fun of you. Far from it. It's just like trying to explain to people what anime is and explaining yeah. why it's so passionate. And and that's what I wanted to do with this episode is because it's so hard to talk about anime. Not because it's a difficult touchy subject, because to explain it you sound like you belong in an insane asylum. It's absolutely like we so just joked about one punch. Some of my favorite, some of my favorite animes are actually slice of life harem animes, like Oron High School Host Club. Uh -huh. Hands down, one of the funniest and probably most well written animes, like from manga to anime mm. that you could get. Um, it is, it is basically there is this girl named um, oh my god, what is her name? Max. Max. Yeah. What is the main character's name in Oran High School Host Club? Haruhi. Haruhi. So she goes to the. She's. She's <laughs> just like glad I could help. So her name is Haruhi, and she goes to this really, really fancy prep school, like really fancy prep school. But she comes from a very, very poor family. She's there on scholarship. And she's she's wandering around in like the music room or something, and she knocks over like a vase worth from like the Chen Dynasty worth like seventeen billion yen, and she's like, it breaks obviously because it falls off the pedestal, and she finds out that the host club of that prep school like had the vase on display, and in order to pay the vase back, because she obviously doesn't have the money, there's no way she can afford that kind of thing when she's there on scholarship. So in order to pay the debt back, she becomes a host. But everyone is convinced for the first like half of the first season that she's a guy. And she she's totally okay with that. She's like, I don't, she even goes on record like in the anime when they find out that she is actually a girl and not a guy. She's like, I don't really care how you guys perceive me. Like it doesn't bother me one way or the other. And I think that was great as That's like a powerful. representation. It was, she and her dad is, a, is trans. Like it's great. Like the entire anime is fantastic. And um, 
Do you think she, anime resonate? Sorry, not to cut you off, but do you think the animes resonate a lot more with the LGBTQ community? Or is it? I mean, for me personally, it has because, like, when I saw Haruhi, I was like, oh my god! Like, immediately, she's drawn to look like a boy. Mm-hmm. Like she's and she's very much like she's voiced by a female voice actress, but it's it's very much like one of those tones where you can't really tell because a lot of male young male anime characters are also voiced by female voice actresses Mm -hmm. so it's one of those things where it's like okay whatever and then when you find out one way or the other you're like hold on a second that what and then but seeing that representation meant so much to me and I know it meant a lot to my trans friends who were like especially my non-binary friends who were like I don't I fully don't care how you perceive me like I am just existing in this shell because that's what I was given. And like, if you perceive me as male, if you perceive me as female, like it doesn't matter. I am still me. And that, that representation was huge to them. And it's, it's like a, it's, it's a joke anime. It doesn't make any sense. It's ridiculous. Like it's, it's insane. But like one of the voice actors on Critical Role voices, voices one of the characters in the show. So like it, it started getting a lot of more notoriety when Critical Role became huge. That's that's always awesome. I, I like I don't I'm not a big listener to the Critical Role people. I've seen the the animation that they did. Thought it was oh, chef's kiss. Awesome. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> um, but the impact that they've had on nerd culture has been there, there has been some negatives because the the Mercer effect Mercer is definitely effect, yeah, yeah is definitely a thing. However, the overall impact, I, I couldn't be happier and truly could not be happier for those people. And I wish them nothing but the best. Truly, from yeah. The so I actually part. met Travis Willingham nice. at Comic Con. Nice. Um, and it was when I first started dating my fiance, and my fiance was really like really into Critical Role, and I was like. I was kind of into it, but I was like, oh, by the way, babe, like all of these, it was the entire cast of Critical Role at Comic-Con and um, they had autographs. And I was like, hey, like if you could pick anybody's autograph, who would you get? Immediately, he's the DM for my, for a couple of games on the weekends. And he goes, Matt Mercer. And I was like, well, okay, I can't, I can't get Matt Mercer. He was booked up beforehand. And he goes, um, either Liam O'Brien or Travis Willingham. So I get in Liam O'Brien's line and I'm like, okay. I'm like towards the back of the line. They cut the line off two people ahead of me. Uh... And they were like, sorry, he's not taking any more autographs. And I was like, okay. So I went over to Travis's line who had nobody. Uh, and I was like, oh, you poor baby. I was like, oh, like, cause I hadn't really listened to any of Critical Role. So I was like, oh, I'm just getting this for my fiance. Like my now fiance. I was like, oh, I'm just getting this for my boyfriend. And, um, I get to Travis's line and I'm like the last person in his line before they cut him off. And he's like, he had this five minute long conversation with me. So I got him a print and I I was telling him, I was like, yeah, my boyfriend's the DM of my campaign. Like, and he signed this. Oh, it's blurry. Hold on. It's all good. Yeah. You probably won't be able to see it, but um, this is a picture of him with all of his voice acting things. And it says, to Mac, because that's my fiance's name. Hey DM, kill them all. And he signed it. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I, I, I was like so in love. And my fiance uh, has held on to it this entire time. Dude, We've been that's dating for almost awesome. four years. Kill them all. Amen to that. Man, I'm about to go on a side note D D tangent here. I'm about to TPK my monsters and mailman because I do D D for a guy, a bunch of guys at the, the post office I work at. And they're unintentional murder hobos. Like, and I legitimately mean they mean well, they really do. Like they try to put out a fire, which is great, but they used a wall of water in oh, Icewind Dale. No. So it's going to turn into ice. If it's yeah. They ended up saving 16, but killing six. Uh they tried to heal people with a rock that I gave them called the bludgeoning of rock of healing. Or it does yet. What it negates the damage it does. It's more for traumatic jokes, just to keep them alive from like if mm-hmm. they so they don't TPK. Well, they tried going through the town healing people that had were laying all over the ground on fire from the rock or from this fire and ended up failing and crushing one of the guys to death. So instead of saying, <laughs> instead of like 
saying, hey, we're sorry and trying to apologize. They tried to persuade them that they should be lucky that they tried to save anybody's lives. They failed on a nat one again. And two of the guys ran out and the two others who might have been, one of them might have been severely intoxicated, uh, decided to go on a murder spree uh, defending themselves, air quote, but from all the vicious villagers with four health and no weapons whatsoever and killed another 11. So out of, they killed like 26 people and are now wanted in this town. Oh, and, sounds like it was probably very therapeutic for them. I, I think they needed to get something out of their system. Yeah. It had been two months since we played because, you know, I have cons and interviews and everything else. Um, like, and they did the exact same thing in Strahd. So, which we were like, we had to step away from Strahd. And now I'm like, no, we're not stepping away from this. You guys will die eventually if you keep this up. Yeah, and... my fiance <laughs> total party killed one of his players because, or his, one of his parties, um, because they were being stupid murder hobos. And they were oh. like, we're going to fight this. Le-. They're like level. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I take offense to that. <laughs> so I guess they there was a level 20 dragonborn paladin i don't know what level they are but they're not level 20 and he was the the dragonborn paladin was about to like peace out and just be like oh yeah i'll leave you to fight these people that you're totally capable of fighting and they they taunted him to stay and then they spent all of their energy trying to kill this dragonborn paladin (laughs) when he was about to peace out and just like leave them be and then like at one point two of them were unconscious one of them had like one health the wizard cast cone of cold and like mm-hmm. annihilated all of them and then one of them had been down to like two health points or something and the wizard just like beat him with a staff like- I, I, that's <laughs> awesome i have a picture it's almost done I, I i had it commissioned by an artist to do uh to the time we played five hours of a session and accomplished nothing it was all random encounters from them failing to enter a cave and failing to make long rests I'm not exaggerating. And it's and so, on it is a young white dragon, a mammoth, and a mimic door. And it's these are the things that legitimately they had between the three of them one health point afterwards. Yes. Well, if it makes you feel any better, there was one session of my party that spent almost the entire time of a four hour long session, because this is an ongoing campaign, oh. trying to get my character laid because she, she's like she tries she's like she's the equivalent of like a 21 year old sorority girl but she tr- like she's trying she's trying so hard she's trying to be like the bad influence and like sleep with everyone she is so awkward so you're like, like a the, the female bard yeah except i'm a sorcerer so it's it's even worse because like my charisma is so high like the, i just fail like Animal handling checks, I don't have advantage on that, but I've got that on lock. Like I have three pets that I carry with me at any given time. And trying, like it it was a whole party effort. Like whole party effort. That was like one of three moments I can name off the top of my head of cohesion amongst my party. That's awesome. So let's 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 wrap this up with some anime here. Um if somebody wants to get into anime or is curious from this episode. What would be your recommendations, ladies, on how to get into anime and what would be the best methods? That deep think question here, huh? You're like, I don't know. Ooh. I would probably say figure out what you want to watch first. Because there's like fighting animes, there's harem animes, there's slice of life animes, there's feel-good animes, there's animes that are gonna make you cry. There's funny animes, there's sat, like there's dark animes. Like you have to figure out what you want to watch just like a regular TV show. And then I think you really just got to find the most popular one of that category and start with that. I think that's pretty much the easiest way to get into it because that way it opens it up to more niche things. If you start with a niche, like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, I've watched it. It is, it is hard. It is hard to get through. Because it is so out there and so stylized and so, like, you have to be a fan of JoJo to watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And if you're not, it's like watching a circus. It's it's hard. There's a lot of things going on at once. And trying to start someone in anime with someone something like JoJo's is 
a near impossible task. They're, they're either going to fall in love with anime and be like, this is the best anime ever, and then never be able to watch anything again, or they're going to hate it and never want to watch anything again. What do you think, Lace? I actually, I think those are great recommendations, like figuring out what you want, but also I want to throw in like going to like local anime conventions or finding anime groups and talking to people because they can give you recommendations and it's also a great way to meet friends. And I think that anime conventions are really open to meeting new people. Like you can go up to someone and be like, what are you doing? I really like what you're doing with your costume or, or your game or whatever. And, and build that connection and then you can kind of get into nice. um yeah <laughs> no, so all right I, I know that i said that's what i wanted to wrap up on but i have one more question and it's itching me well two questions so we'll start this in america why do you think we cannot turn anime into live action i have not seen one thing truly one anime turned into live action that was made in the united states that I liked. And I would love to know why we can't get it down. I don't think we understand it, to be honest with you, because the animation is so Japanese centered that when we try and translate it to with like, it's easy to translate words because that is a pretty standard transition, but trying to translate mannerisms and like, Trying to explain a bento box to someone who has no idea what a Japanese lunch looks like is almost impossible. Like trying to translate a bento box to a Western live action screen to try and appeal to audiences that wouldn't have watched the anime in the first place is something that I don't think you're going to be able to do. Just try the, the demographics versus your target audience versus what you're really going to get. Exactly. Um, and I lied. I have two more. I have another another question. Uh, so we'll make this easy. Just sub or dub. It depends on the anime. Really? Yeah. All right. I will say this. I will always go sub first. So subtitles for our listeners. However, afterwards, I will go dub after I've seen it. Like for my son who can't read, you know, it really super quick like one man punch uh yeah going dub is better Lacey I also think it depends like I can't some, believe it I thought everybody was always going to be like hardcore sub wow. that's not me for sure wow um but there are some dubs that are really terrible and you just you just can't <laughs> sit through that <laughs> so yeah like for me like for instance, I, I know I mentioned this earlier in the episode, but yeah. Seven Deadly Sins is actually a made-for-Netflix anime special. So watching it dubbed, for me, is mm -hmm. not, mm -hmm. like, a sacrilegious thing because watching it, like, it was made for Netflix. So they they altered some things to cater to a Netflix audience. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. obviously got a Western lens on it already. So the dub is just makes sense whereas subtitles is just kind of beating something with a dead horse at that point for a netflix animated special <laughs> um i got you I, I that's that's such a shocking answer and I, that your answer does make sense i like that um my final question for you ladies is maybe you can answer this because you guys are the more experts on this why do animes have a six minute song in the beginning and a six minute song at the end of a 10 minute anime it's the aesthetic. Is the aesthetic. <laughs> also, because um, I know for a fact that a lot of um, in Japan, like anime opening songs are really uh. popular, like as soundtracks to things. So like, it's not like it's like for you and me, like, like the newest Lady Gaga song, like for them, it's like they might be listening to popular music or J-pop or K-pop or whatever they're listening to. Anime openings are also really popular. That I know. Ah, see, I learned same something with closings. new. Same with closings. I, I learned something new. I love that. Um, so honestly, I think this is a great spot to wrap up our episode. Uh, Harley, where can the good people out there in their nation and all across the world, where can they find you? So you can find me at Harley Knox Cosplay at, on Facebook and Instagram. That is H-A-R-L-E-Y. 
N-O-X cosplay. And then Harley underscore Knox on Twitter. And I have a Discord, but if you find me on any social media, you will find a link to my Discord in my link tree. And then you can find the link to all of my other social media and my Etsy shop. Awesome. Uh, so let's go ahead and let's wrap this up. As always, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you're listening to podcasts. And if you are listening to us on Apple or Spotify, please remember to rate and review. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, so please like and follow us at DNA Pod and on Twitter at NerdDNAPod or on our webpage, www.nerddnapod.com. I'm your host, Steve Pugh, and I've been joined by the wonderful, the adorable, the I Choose You, always Miss Lacey, as well as the impeccable cosplayer, the teller of tales, and uh, well, uh, man, I'm totally screwing that up, but that's okay. So it's still Miss Harley Knox. Harley, Lacey, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Uh, Harley, thank you so much, especially for being on the show tonight. I would absolutely love to have you on again, especially when we get closer to you doing your panel and everything. I think that would be very exciting to have you on there. And get yeah, us a little definitely. Teaser. My pleasure. It was awesome getting to talk to you. Yes. All right. So, yeah, let's go ahead and let's just say goodnight here, guys. Thank you and goodnight.